0: Amen. We'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Joshua this morning, the book of Joshua. And as you're turning there, let me just say how grateful I am for the privilege of being able to stand before you this morning. And uh, so thankful for this privilege and this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. And uh, so thankful for that that privilege that is mine. I do have a couple of just uh, quick announcements, and I'll make these very brief for you. Uh, Number one, if you're a room leader, we do have a split chapel on Monday with you room leaders, and uh, room leaders, we will meet in uh, Revels 102 on Monday morning at 9.30. Men, you'll still meet out at the uh, hangar with uh, Dr. Getch. Ladies, you'll still meet right in here with Mrs. Blim on Monday at 9.30. But room leaders, I uh, uh, encourage you to meet with me on Monday at 9.30 there in Rebels 102. Also in preparation for Spiritual Leadership Conference, and I am excited that you all get to be a part of that. And uh, that is going to be a great time, a great privilege, and I want to encourage you, if you could help me out with a special project that pastors tasked me with, um, he was uh, going, well, he he was driving uh, from his home uh, up to the campus here, and uh, he noticed the intersection of uh, Jay and... Uh, 40th Street over here, and just needing some cleanup, getting some weeds, some trash picked up, and uh, our pastor was just concerned with just even the look of the uh, intersection, and so uh, if you are available, I need 10, 15 guys, girls, doesn't matter. I'm going to meet you out there at uh, 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And if uh, a bunch of people show up, it'll be really light work. And if just my wife and kids and I show up, then it'll just be the four of us. But uh, if you could help us out, just kind of sprucing up, getting ready for Spiritual Leadership Conference and help us uh, just... Pick up some of the trash right there on the J and the 40th intersection. That would be a great blessing to me and to my wife and kids if you can help out. Also, I want to make this last uh, uh, announcement and then we'll get right into the preaching this morning. Uh, due to uh, the deed of men being in chapel this morning, the guys get a free pass on their room inspections. And all God's people said... Amen. And so uh, guys, you got the free pass this morning. I hope that helps. Joshua chapter number one. And if you would stand just in honor to the reading of God's word, give you an opportunity to uh, stretch out for just a moment as we get right into the preaching. I just have one simple verse that we're going to look at our entire text, the entire message really will be just out of this one simple verse. And uh, we'll be short and sweet this morning. That's how we like it in our junior-senior men's uh, Sunday school class on Sunday nights. We just like to get right to it and uh, tell it like it is and get on our way. And So that's what we're going to do in chapel this morning. And so Joshua chapter number 3, and uh, we're going to look just at one quick verse, Joshua chapter number 3, and beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says simply, and Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves, For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let me hear your best preacher or teacher voice. Let's read that one verse together. Ready, begin. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity this morning. And I do pray that you would bless what is said from this pulpit this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to say only those things that you desire for me to say and to leave unsaid, those things that have no bearing or weight. And I pray, Lord, that you would do the work that only you can do in hearts and lives of this congregation. I pray, Lord, for those that need comfort this morning, that you would comfort them. I pray for those that need convicting, that you'd convict them. I pray for those that need cleansing, that you would cleanse them. But I pray that all of us, Lord, would come away not just being hearers of your word, but doers of your word this morning. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bless not only our chapel here. I pray that you would also be with the seniors and those graduating in the choir room. I ask also that you would be with the ladies' uh, Bible study this morning. And just asking, Lord, that your word would go forth with great power. We ask now your blessings upon our time together. For it is in my son's precious name we ask these things, for he alone is worthy. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated listening to brother burt just a minute ago as he was introducing me and uh, reminding that uh, he was a student when uh, he was here and and my wife and i were here and then also going back to that opening week when dr getch encouraged all the men to beat me out to the uh, hangar because of how old i am i'm starting to actually feel much older as the days go on but really, in reality, I'm still a young man, and it wasn't very long ago that I remember approaching my high school graduation. Uh, I was excited about graduating high school, as no doubt many of you were, even some of you just even months ago, uh, when you crossed that finish line in your high school career before starting college, and I remember all the busyness of that particular week for me as a graduate, as a student, I just remember all that was taking place that week. We had the uh, state track finals, of which I was a part that year, and I remember just enjoying just the, the pageantry of being able to be there and in that setting and competing with my teammates. I remember all the various meetings that we had to go to. I remember uh, picking up my gown and hat and having to get that iron because it just comes in a a shrink-wrapped package, and you got to iron it all out before the big day. And I went to a public school, so our public school had graduation on Sunday, and uh, that created some conflict just within our family, but thankfully the graduation was late that afternoon, and so we were able to go to church that morning, be able to then get to the graduation without any concerns there. But I remember the busyness of that week for me as an individual was only increased by the busyness and the panic of what was going on within our home. And what was taking place in our home was not the fact that we needed to send out like graduation announcements. We were way on top of that. We had sent out the list and we had already gotten that covered. But what the busyness and the chaos was were all the extra people that were in our home leading up to that graduation day. And I'm not talking about friends and family that, you know, were bunking at our house. How many of you have had that before, right? Now, I wasn't talking about that. I'm talking about like the carpet cleaners and the plumbers and the painters and everybody else that came to our house to spruce things up for that big event, for that big day. You see, my mom was very concerned, not with the fact that her child was graduating. She'd already been through four of those at that point, but she was concerned about the house being cleaned because she knew that company was coming. She knew that in just a matter of days that friends, family, church family would all be coming to our house to congratulate me as I had crossed that threshold of adulthood and had received my diploma. And she wanted to make sure that everything down to the last detail was correct, but really the biggest thing on her mind was making sure that the house was clean. Now, I'm not going to say that our house was ever spotless by any means, but our house never looked bad either. Uh, It did look like, you know, several boys lived there and wrestled and played and did things of that nature. And it looked like a war zone from time to time because of uh, the bloodbaths between brothers at times. But our house was never in disarray. Our house was never uh, unorganized by any means. But my mom knew that she wanted the house to look right on that day of celebration, on that day when memories would be made. And honestly, if you would have been there and been a fly on the wall for that particular setting, you would have thought that my graduation depended on how clean our house was, which obviously it did not. Hopefully I did all my work and passed all my tests and no teacher was going to show up to inspect and do a white glove cleaning of our home by any means. But my mom wanted to make sure that our home was a right reflection for the occasion. She knew that people were coming. Company was coming. They were going to be there. They were going to see the ins and the outs of the house as they were go- gathering and as they were talking as, as they were uh, going back and forth from the kitchen to the living room to the outdoors. She wanted to make sure it was all spick and span and spotted clean because she knew that memories were going to be made on that particular day. She knew that our home... Was going to be a reflection get this of our family it was going to reflect who we were as a family and she wanted to make sure even the smallest detail was cared for you know i look at you as bible college students and and i think about that time of graduation and my mom's care and concern even Of something as small and as insignificant on that day as making sure that our house was right because of the momentous occasion. And I wonder as a Bible college student, if you have ever thought about the reflection that a clean life or a clean heart makes upon the major milestones of your spiritual life. I wonder if you've ever been concerned with The fact that maybe people are going to see you or people are going to be able to enter into your life by seeing just your outward appearance or by hearing what you speak about or by seeing the things that you watch or the things that you talk about. And here I want to see just very simply this story of Joshua, the great leader of Israel who has now taken on the opportunity to lead the children of Israel, and they're about to cross the Jordan River. The background here simply reminds us here that Moses has passed off the scene, Joshua chapter number 1. The children of Israel are now about to take that step into the promised land, but before they can do that, they've got to cross this impassable river of the Jordan River. Now remember who it is at this time that is actually going through this situation. This is not the same people that saw the Red Sea part. These are not the same people that saw the ten plagues upon Egypt. These are the children of those individuals. Now, we sometimes remind ourselves in Bible history that these children are the children of that faithless generation. You know what I'm talking about? Those of you that know your Bible history... They were the faithless generation. They were the ones that saw the miracles that God had done in the land of Egypt. They're the ones that saw the miracles of the passing of the Red Sea on dry ground. They were the ones that saw God do miracles and do wonders and do signs for them and provide for them even in their bondage in Egypt. And yet they failed to meet God's promise. They failed to take hold of it because of their fearfulness and not their faithfulness. And so they were not allowed to enter into the promised land. And for 40 years, you know the story. For 40 years, they would wander the wilderness. And they would wander until all of that generation passed off the scene, except for really three people. Three people in our mind would be that of Moses. But we eventually would see that even he would pass off the scene because of a choice that he would make. But we also see two other individuals of Joshua and Caleb. Joshua now is being instilled as the leader and God encourages him and says, hey Joshua, I know the mantle that you're about to pick up is big it's heavy, it's something that's going to be weighty it's going to be a burden upon your shoulders and you might be wondering if you can even manage, if you can even do it, if you can follow through on the calling for your life, but he says, Joshua I promise I will be with you I will help you, don't be discouraged don't be dismayed, I'm your God, I'm going to help you and I'm going to walk every step of the way with you, but you You've got to stay close to me. Joshua chapter 1 talks much about that. And so here it is, Joshua has taken on that mantle, Joshua has taken on that leadership, and I love the leadership lessons of the book of Joshua and how that he was a man that really stayed close to God and wanted to know God's heart on the matter, and he was the man that wanted to make sure that God was leading and not him just leading himself or leading the people, just out of just some kind of ideology or some kind of uh, trying to show himself as the man because of being the leader, but instead he always sought God, and I appreciate that about Joshua. But I see here in our text that just as they're standing on the brink of the river and as they're looking out and and seeing what is yet to come and understanding that the side that they are living on is not the side God intended for them to live on. God wants them on the other side of the Jordan. But before they get there, they've got to cross the Jordan. Remember, these are not the ones that saw God part the Red Sea. These are not the ones that saw the ten plagues of Egypt, and so to them, crossing the Jordan is an impossibility. But you know, I think we've heard it said around here enough, if you're a, an upperclassman, if you're a freshman, I'm sure you'll hear it many times over and over again, and Pastor often says something to this effect, that when God wants to do a miracle, He starts with the impossible. And here they're looking at an impossible situation of crossing this Jordan River, and as they're looking out across the land, and as they're looking out and seeing how in the world is this going to work, how are the millions of us going to get from this side to that side? There's not a bridge. There's not a road. There's nothing that we can cross at. And so how, Joshua, is this going to work out? And Joshua just simply reminds them that God's going to do it. God's going to do it. But in verse number 5, he says simply to them that they must sanctify themselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I want to discover just very quickly here in our text this morning a two-part recipe that will prepare you and prepare me to be used of God, to see God perform miracles in impossible situations. And isn't that why you feel the call to ministry? Because you want to see God work miracles. You want to see Him perform great miracles and great wonders in some impossible situations. It might be being a missionary somewhere, knowing that you can make an impact or a difference. It might be being a church planner, even here in California, like many of you have said. And you want to see God do the impossible, even within our culture. But in order for that to happen you've got to do some things yourself to prepare for those miracles to come and I want you to see the two-part recipe it's a simple outline for you those of you taking notes this morning we'll be quick but I want you to see first of all the first part of the recipe is actually found at the last part of verse number five and I want you to see quickly God's part in the recipe I want you to see God's part in the recipe The verse simply says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You see, God had promised the children of Israel that He was going to work on their behalf. God had promised to provide for them. God had promised to protect them. God had already proven Himself with the manna and with the water that was flowing in the desert. God had already proven Himself time and time again. But remember, they don't have the Scriptures like you and I have the Scriptures. They don't know about a place called Jericho just yet. They don't know about how they're going to get over this Jordan River. They don't know all the ins and outs about what's going to take place. And so for them, the impossibility that they're looking at is the Jordan River. And they're wondering, God, how are you going to do this? But God promised that he would provide. God promised that he would protect. And as he was with their parents, even in spite of their faithlessness and their complaints, God was still going to work on behalf of his children. And I can't but help and just stop and say something to us here this morning. God wants to still work in your life even when you're not ready. Even when you may not be worthy at times, like maybe perhaps there's sin in your life. Maybe perhaps there's a failure in your life. Maybe perhaps you don't think that you can do it. Maybe there's a family history or family background that you feel like is just the barrier to God using you. Friend, I want to encourage you. God has breath in your lungs for a reason, and until He takes you home, God wants to change you and God wants to use you. And that's what I see here in the children of Israel, even though there was a faithless generation, God still provided, and God still protected, and God was still working, and the people here had to cross the river, but God's promise was to go with them. God promised that He would hap- He would be there to help them fight the battles as they would enter into that promised land, and God promised that He was going to be there and to protect them. Deuteronomy chapter number four and verse number thirty-one reminds us: "For the Lord thy God is a merciful God; He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which He swear unto them." In Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one and verse number six, just a couple pages back, He says, "Be strong and of a good courage." Fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, it is He that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. God's promise was for the children of Israel that He was going to go with them, that He was going to protect them, that He would be with them through the battles and through the hardships and through the hard times and through the valleys and through the mountaintops. And I'm reminded even in Hebrews chapter number 13, a New Testament passage for you and I this morning, that God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And we've got the promise of God that is sure and will stand that God is fighting for us. So I understand here that God will do His part in the recipe. But I want you to see secondly the people's part. The people's part in the recipe. It's included in just the simple two words right there in the middle of our text this morning and it simply says sanctify yourselves. Let's all say that together. Ready, begin. Sanctify yourselves. Let's do it a little bit a little bit louder, a little bit stronger. I don't want you to fall asleep here. Sanctify yourselves. You see, God had a part in the recipe, and God was going to fulfill his part, but it was contingent upon the people doing their part. It was contingent on the people fulfilling the first part of the equation. The people had the promise that God would perform, but it came with a condition. There was a part in the equation that belonged solely unto Israel. It was like the prerequisite that had to be met before God would work on their behalf. Being in college, you know what a prerequisite is. You know that you have to have certain classes before you can take other classes. There are some things that you have to do on a project before you can move on to the second part of the project. And that's exactly what God is pointing out to the children of Israel. God is willing to work, and God wants to work, and God desires to work, and God will do the work, but you have to do your part, is what He's saying to the children of Israel. And so here, as they're standing on the brinks, here it's reminded of them that they have a part to play. Warren Wiersbe, on his commentary on Joshua, said it this way, some of God's promises are unconditional, and all we have to do is believe them, while other promises require that we meet certain conditions. In meeting these conditions, we're not earning God's blessing. We're just making sure our hearts are ready for the blessings. It's not that there's a condition to be met so that we might earn God's favor, earn God's blessing, but rather it's a condition or a prerequisite that needs to be met so that we might make sure that our hearts are ready to receive the blessing, to receive the promise that God has given. And for Israel, that meant setting themselves apart. uh, unto God for God to work. It was a a new beginning. Here they had wandered for 40 years. They're about to cross into that promised land. It was a new beginning for them and just as coming to Bible college might have been a new beginning for many of you. What's in the past is past and who you are or who you were is who you were, but now God's given you a new opportunity a new friendships and a new start. It's a new beginning, but God is asking out of the children of Israel the same thing He's asking out of you perhaps this morning and that is to sanctify yourselves. The Bible word for sanctify here is to hollow or to dedicate, to prepare, to consecrate, to purify, or to set apart and to set apart specifically for the use of God. Israel had to clean up their hearts and commit to God first, and then and only after their condition was met would God then do the impossible. So Joshua came to them and he said, God wants to work but you've got to clean up. God wants to work, but you've got to be prepared. God wants to work, but you've got to be committed. God wants to work, but you've got to be faithful to follow through. And Can I say it, Bible college student. God wants to work in your life and God wants to work in your life and God wants to work in your life, but are you committed? Are you cleaned up? Are you sanctified? Are you set apart? Are you willing to follow through even when it gets rough, even when it gets hard? One of the greatest blessings that I had when I was a Bible college student was I remember it was a, a Wednesday night and, and I had just made the decision to go to Bible college. I'd already gone to a secular college and, and kind of was floundering a little bit, didn't know where to go, what to do. And, and so I just remember just making a decision almost on a whim on a Wednesday night to go to Bible college. And the, my particular college opened up that next day with the dorms on that Thursday. It was about a 10-hour drive. And so I remember going to my church family and I remember going to my pastor that Wednesday night saying, Pastor, I think God wants me at Bible college And uh, I think I'm going to leave tonight after service and start driving. And he hugged my neck. He announced it to the church family. And I remember then driving off into the sunset, or at least into the, the early morning hours, driving into the sunset on my way to Bible college. But I remember after that service, I remember one of our our faithful men there at the church, I remember as he walked up to me, as he hugged my neck, and as he shook my hand, inside his palm was a a folded up $20 bill. And I remember him saying to me simply that he was praying for me. And then he said these words. He said, Daniel, he said, "When, when you graduate, I will be there. And I kind of at that moment kind of blew it off. I'd heard a lot of people just saying various things to me that night and encouraging me along the way. And I thought, okay, yeah, thanks, you know, appreciate that, you know, and I didn't really think much of it, Dr. R. But you know what? There came a trial in my life that first semester, and you know what? God brought to, back to my memory the words of that man that says, I will be there when you graduate. You know what I thought at that moment? I thought, Dr. Weaver, I thought, you know what? I'm going to put this guy to the test. I'm going to get through this valley, and I'm going to see if that guy really shows up four years from now. You know what, my second year I went through another valley, another tragedy. You know what words came to my mind? The words of that faithful deacon in our church that said, I will be there when you graduate. And I thought, you know what, I got through the first valley, I think I can get through this valley, and I'm going to test that guy, just see if he will come. You know what happened when I graduated? He was in the audience. He had driven 10 hours from our home church to the church that I was at, and there for graduation watched me walk across that stage. You know what, I'm not saying that it was because of him solely, that I got across that stage by any means. I know it was God, you know it was God. But you know what? Sometimes God uses people in our lives to challenge us. Sometimes God uses people in our lives to encourage us along the way. And God was using Joshua as a leader in the children of Israel's life to say, Israel, I want you to have a new beginning. I want you to see God do some great things. And God wants to perform some great things. But you've got to be willing to stay committed. You've got to be willing to put your hand to the plow and not look back. You've got to be willing to take upon yourself the promises of God and to fulfill the conditions that God has given to you. And that's exactly what what Joshua was challenging the children of Israel about. Obviously, they were still going to have to fight their battles. They were still going to have to do some things, but God was promising to be with them. You see, they didn't know about the challenges that they might face in the Promised Land. They didn't have the Scriptures like you and I read, as I mentioned a moment ago. All they knew was their immediate need, and that was of crossing the river that lay before them. But before God wanted to perform that miracle... Before God was going to do the wonders of tomorrow, God wanted a pure, clean, committed people. They had to first meet that requirement, that part that they had to play in the equation before God was going to do His part. I wonder if before God would revive His people and use them mightily, if God might not be saying to us even here this morning that the best is yet to come, but before we go any farther, are you willing to clean up and commit? You're at Bible college. Really, for some of you, that might have been the big step of faith. But let's not just, step, let's not just stop there. Let's continue on. What is that next step that God wants you to take? What is that miracle or that wonder that God wants to do in your life? But before he can get there, you've got to do some things in your own heart and life to clean up, to sanctify yourselves. You see, I believe God wants to work on our behalf. God wants the history of mankind to be impacted by the influence of His people. He wants the history of our valley or of your town or of your uh, country to be impacted by His church in that community and in that culture. I believe God wants to work wonders and God wants to work miracles as we move forward by faith and trust God. But God's not going to do His part until He's got a clean, committed, sanctified people. As a Bible college student, you're studying and preparing right now for your own tomorrow. Some of you are dreaming about your own tomorrow. Some of you have visions of being that missionary, of being that Christian school teacher, of, of being that pastor, that pastor's wife. You have visions of working with the youth group and, and taking them to camp, and you have visions of sitting around the fire with them and imparting truth and wisdom to them and helping them get through a situation in their life so that they too might be used of God in great and mighty ways. You as a Bible college student right now are dreaming about those tomorrows, and you're looking forward to those tomorrows, and you want to see God do wonders tomorrow in your own personal life, but God God can't work those wonders if He doesn't have clean and usable sanctified vessels to work through. As a Bible college student, are you ready to commit? Are you ready to clean up? Are you ready to do the work that only God can do? I think about just here in just a few short weeks, our spiritual leadership conference will be a tomorrow in which God wants to show his power on our behalf, and and he wants to show his power to his people. And Right now, there are pastors all across our nation that will be joining with us. Excuse me, and they need a little bit of an encouragement. They need a little bit of uh, just a shot in the arm, if you will. They need somebody just to come alongside and just to let them know that they're doing okay and to continue in the fight and that God is going to work and God is going to do wonders. And I wonder... Here this morning, if it might be that God wants to use you as a Bible college student to be a great encouragement to a pastor's wife or to a a teacher that might be coming, I wonder how it might be that those services could be used mightily by God to encourage the, the, the family and the children of God to continue to move forward. But the question is, will you be ready for Him to work? The question is, will you be clean or will you hinder the work of God because you're not ready because company's coming but our hearts are not where they need to be or our spirit's not where they ought to be or we're just self-focused and we're just selfish in regards to only caring about our needs and where we're supposed to be and is am I going to be able to sit next to my girlfriend? Am I going to be able to serve where I want to serve? Or is it going to be that you're just being selfless and you're just usable and God, wherever you need me, God, wherever I can be a help, God, whoever's burdened, I can live. That's all I'm asking to be. And I wonder what tomorrow, by way of the spiritual leadership conference, that God wants to do wonders if we're ready. You see, before any of the rewards come, before any of the victory celebrations are had, before the crossing of the Jordan would be done, God desired a sanctified people. God desired a set-apart people. God desired a a clean vessel, a clean, dedicated, purified people. If not, they were just going to go through the motions. You see, some of you are just going through the motions. You're not ready for God to work wonders in your tomorrow because you're just going through the, the, the motions of your today. God did fulfill His promise as soon as Israel did their part. We know, and we could read the scriptures here, and if you read the very end of Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 17... That the priests, as soon as they got into the river, as soon as they uh, bearing the ark were in the waters, the Israelites then saw the Jordan River part just like their uh, their um, moms and dads or those that had gone before them saw the Red Sea part. And they too got to see the miracle of God because they had fulfilled the part of recipe that was upon them to sanctify themselves and to see God work. And God allowed them to also cross a, uh, cross a dry land over that Jordan River and God would fight on their behalf after the 40 years of wandering. We know the book of Joshua describes the walls of Jericho that would fall down and how that that in and of itself was a miracle, and God would continue to work on behalf of His people, and the victories would be there, and Israel would take control of the, of the promised land. And two, our God wants to work on our behalf this morning. He wants to work in our churches. He wants to work as He has in the past, but we cannot live on past blessings Past blessings don't equal future victories. God wants to work in your life individually today as He has in the past. Whether that be corporately or whether that be individually, though, we first need to be a clean, usable, committed vessel in His hands. The message was simple this morning. It's very simple. God's got a part in the equation, but you and I have a big part of that equation, too. God's not going to do His part until we first meet the conditions of our part. And so the question really is simple this morning, Bible college student. Will you sanctify yourself today so that the Lord will work wonders tomorrow? Will you set yourself apart today as a Bible college student so that God can work wonders in your ministry in the days ahead? Will you set yourself yourself apart today so that your marriage can be blessed in the future and in that tomorrow? Will you set yourself apart today so that your children can be blessed in that tomorrow? Will you sanctify yourself today so that God can work wonders tomorrow? Bottom line, it's time for us to clean house. It's time for us to make sure that we're ready to be that usable vessel and that we meet the conditions of God because otherwise we're just going through the motions and we'll wonder why we lack God's power we'll wonder why God doesn't show up like he did in days of old and it might be because we have yet to meet the expectation of God